Well, in the uh, book of Galatians, we have been emphasizing the freedom that all Christians have. And we are to protect that most precious element of freedom. We should value it. And, uh, of course, the Bible defines what really true freedom is. And uh, we've been talking about that. Uh, Paul was really concerned that the Galatians would be dropping back into, and they were, uh, a form of uh, legalism, a bondage. And we know that in chapter 5 of Galatians that we talked about last week, the very first verse, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. And then the first verse that we're going to be dealing with today in our text, for you were called to freedom, brethren. Do you get that? Do you see he's stressing, emphasizing this freedom? And the book of Galatians is that, that we should recognize our freedom. Um, but Paul now is going to get the balance on this. We can stress freedom so much that it can go to an extreme. You could be antinomian, anti against nomian nomos law, against the law, uh, actually just uh, doing things by your own license to do whatever you want to do that would be outside of God's will. And uh, so Paul continues this thought of freedom in this section and as he's been hitting hard against legalism, he now is going to bring the balance up. He's going to put some practicality with this. Watch the extremes in anything. Be a balanced person. That's what Christ is. Christ is balanced perfectly in everything. He is the God of balance. And uh, so Paul will do that in his writing. We never, ever, ever want to abuse our liberty. It would be easy to do that. We know we've been stressing it for four chapters, five chapters, and that's been quite some time. It's been months and months that we've been dealing with this, and now all of a sudden we get to the other side. Somebody could say, yeah, that means I can do anything that I want then. I'm free. And uh, yet there are fences that are put in, and we are fenced in by love. And that's what we're going to stress today, liberty dealing with love. Um, We don't want to be living in licentiousness because we are free. Matter of fact, you know, we've seen that Paul has strongly been against uh, and condemned legality. But the same thing is on the other side also. Paul knows that, but grace must always be stressed. And there is a, there's almost a, a gamble when you talk about grace and take it to its extreme. And it should be taken to its extreme. Because grace affronts mankind. Most people don't understand grace and they don't like that because they want to do something, have credit for something. But now we are going to look at the other side that uh, there is um, Christ has blessed us in the liberty of love. I'll give you a little illustration. And I think um, this might have been done by William Hendrickson. He said that Christianity resembles a narrow bridge. And it's a bridge spanning a place where you have one river coming from one area and another uh, or a stream coming and then another stream coming. And, and they meet together there. And in one stream, it uh, looks to be a very crystal clear, brilliant type of stream, a sparkling stream, but it's very treacherous and it has rapids on it. It can be very uh, problematic. There's another stream 
that's polluted, it's filthy, it's mucky, it's miry, it's stagnant, it's, it's vile. Stream number one would be so pure and sparkly and it looks and seems like it's right, but it's deadly and it's called legalism. Whether it's made up by laws by people or your, your own. But there's uh, on the other stream that is so polluted. And it's the other side. It's not legalism, but it would be antinomianism. And he says, you can't go in there, you can't stay afloat in it, it'll kill you. If you go on one stream that looks so clear, this legalism. But the other stream is polluted, and it's libertinism. He goes on to say, you fall into that and you'll drown in the filth of it. And so the Christian has to maintain a balance on this bridge. Because, yeah, there are extremes. It's one way or the other. But if you're on this balance bridge, we know that we don't want to lose our balance. and We want to stay there. There are some Christians who have fallen into the rapids of legalism. That's what happened here in the Galatian area. And they're just getting beat to death. And they have so many things over their head. And you can talk to them about whether it be like a Sabbath. Worshipping on Saturday the Sabbath. And you can show them all the Scripture. And you can show them what the Sabbath really is. But yet they still struggle with that. And they're getting beat to death with it. And then they might even be holding on to some kind of feasts and festivals. People want to stress that. And so they're, they're all hung up on that. And what they eat, and you can go on and on and on. And people make their own kind of rules and regulations. Or, um, you know, we, we all tend to have our own traditions and we think the way that things ought to be and so we put that kind of bondage. Well, that's what uh, Paul has been talking about. In this paragraph in verses 13 through 16 today, in chapter 5, it tells you how to stay on the bridge and not to get into those streams. It, uh, it's good. It, it is a good thing. That's where we want to be. Now, Paul has been talking theologically and we introduced last week that now we're getting into the practical section. Here's how you live the doctrine out. Doctrine first. Think. Reason. Based upon this objective truth. And then we're called to live it out. And that's the way that Paul always writes. Here we are again. And now we're into a very practical section. Um, we are free to live the law of Christ. Believers are not antinomians. They shouldn't be. But legalists like to hurl that word around, antinomians, and put accusations against people who are grace-thinking. But it's always the law of love to Christ. The love of Christ constrains us. That's what it says in 2 Corinthians 5.14. The law of Christ constrains us. That's what we want. Not the law of man. The law of Christ. You know what? Legalistic duties can never fulfill the law. Paul has been saying that. Never will. But love does. And that's the key four-letter word that we're going to be hitting in today. The law of love. It fulfills the law. And that law of love does not abuse the liberty. Christians 
have that law. And it's about loving God, loving your neighbor. Wrap all the law into those two commandments, right? And you know what? That is our true freedom. What is freedom? What's well, actually something you're able to do whatever you want. That's why an unbeliever is not free. Even though he does some things that he thinks he wants to do, ultimately he cannot fulfill the requirements that God is asking. And whether he wants to believe in God or not believe in God, he wants to do whatever he wants. Actually, he is really in a bondage. He is in a slavery to those things that get him, whether it be alcohol, whether it be drugs, whether it be sex, all the immorality, all those things are trying to fulfill it. And they get one thing, and then they have to have more, and then they have to have more than that, and they just continue trying to fulfill that. It's great for the moment, and they live for the moment, and that's it. So they're always trying to fulfill that. So they don't really have freedom. But freedom is the person that realizes that they can do anything they want because now what has been instilled in them is the very love of God in them. The law of Christ has been put in them and things that they could not do before, now they can do. What is the thing that we want to do most as Christians? We want to please God, don't we? Seriously, if I ever ask any of you Christians in here, wouldn't you say, that's really what I want? I want to do what God wants. Whatever His will is, Lord, whatever it is, I'm here, send me, right? Lord, here am I, send me. By the way, we're going to be singing that song after a while because it fits this perfectly. That's what those lyrics are in your bulletin. And I say that now because I might forget later, but we'll be singing that. You're probably wondering what the, what those are there for. Well, if you want to, uh, look at the lyrics, even if we didn't sing it. It's really powerful. But it's really about this. So we're free to live not only for Christ, but for others. Now we can not be, we don't have to be under the bondage of ourselves. So that's the very thing that we want to die to, isn't it? The flesh. Ourselves. It doesn't do any good. We've known that. It always fails. We want to die to selves. Forget yourself. Take up the cross. Follow me, right? That's what we really want. And that is when, when you start forgetting yourself and you start thinking of others, guess what? You are now free. You're free from yourself because you can now do the things that Christ did. And that's really where we want to be in the first place, isn't it? You couldn't do that before. So do you see why we are now free? Free to serve others. You can say, free. Anything that I want to do? Yeah. Anything that you want to do. If you're following the, the will of the Lord, you can do anything you want to do. If you're following the will of the Lord, <laughs> if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you can do anything you want to do. You know what that is? Well, the Lord said that He gives you the desires of your heart. Where do those desires come from? The Lord. <laughs> they don't come from self, do they? Thank the Lord. Have you thought about it? You ever seen that verse saying, Oh, wow. He, he gives me the desires. Yeah. My, what I come up with is really what He has come up with. Because He knows what's best for us. We don't. He does. And you know what? When you discover that, you start becoming more and more free in your thoughts. You're now free to serve others. You see where we're heading today? <laughs> anyway, we know that there are internal 
responses that we have. It's in the indwelling person of Jesus Christ, indwelling Holy Spirit. We're not reacting to some kind of law. What we are doing is we're responding to a person, Jesus Christ. Let's stand. Let's turn to Galatians chapter 5. 13 through 16 is our text today. And oh, this is the Word of God for us today. This is for us. Let's feast on it. What do you think? It's His Word. His Holy Spirit. Let's get something out of this. For you were called to freedom, brethren. You know, I'm going to stop right there and let's say amen. Amen. You were called to freedom, brethren. Only. Do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word in the statement, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. Uh, Father, thank You for Your Word again. Lord, fill our hearts as we empty out all the trash, as Your Holy Spirit convicts us, and anything that is not thinking about You this morning, help us to dwell upon Your thoughts. And You've just given them to us right here. Clear our minds. Clear our hearts. Help us to be tuned afresh to the sparkling stream of the Word of God. The fountain is flowing this morning, as it always is. Help us to drink from You. And help us to be built up. Help us to learn what true freedom is. To really be released from our biggest enemy, our flesh. Our selfishness. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Can be seated. Don't you want to be released from your selfishness? That's what we always hang on to, selfishness. We don't live for ourselves anymore, folks. And it's an ever-ongoing teaching to us, isn't it? Anyway, I love the way this starts. For you, we're called to freedom. You were called to freedom. Brethren. He's, he's talking to the Galatians here. And he has lashed out at them. Oh, ye foolish Galatians. You know, how many times have we seen that? And he has ripped into them. But Paul has so much of a balance. And then he can come back. And like the next phrase, and still show his love while he has given them sharp, biting truth. I think Christ did that. And that's the way that we are to be. He said, Well, I'm not like that. I know I'm pretty sharp, but that's just the way I am. Yeah, that's just the way you are. You better need to you need to you need to change. We all need to change. You got a problem with wording things to people? One another. You live for them. You're not here to bite and devour, right? You are here to build others up. Stop thinking about the other person and how they seem to be doing things that you don't like. Concentrate on helping build them up. That's what Paul does. But there was such a danger going into uh, another religion that they were embracing that he had to tell truth very hard. But here it is, brethren. You were called to freedom. That's what this is all about. We were called by God for a purpose. 
We were called by God. Don't you like that? Called by God. Who is the one who is free indeed? Who is the one who is totally free? Jesus Christ. And He is free. And as we become more like Him, we become more free. We're not perfectly free yet. We are in one sense as far as what God has done for us. But in another sense, we still are serving the flesh sometimes. But the more free that we see ourselves, and everybody wants to be free, don't they? We get the true aspect of what freedom is right here. And in this text today, I can't see a better definition of freedom than this. And we know that the whole world, they're talking about freedom. And of course, even this nation is based on freedom. Thank the Lord we have the freedom to be able to get the Word of God. But there's something that goes further than that, doesn't it? So anyway, He calls us to Himself so that we be free. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Why are we set free? Why are we out of the bondage? Because it was for freedom. It was for our freedom. We were called to freedom. We were called into the aspect of freedom. Now we're getting this idea. Set free from ourselves. God orders our lives, doesn't He? That's what He is doing. That's what He'll continue to do. Great illustration. It's found in Exodus 21. It's great because God gave it. In Exodus 20, He gets Ten Commandments. There's the law, right? You continue on with the law in chapter 21. And it's dealing with slaves who are in bondage. Now these are the ordinances which you are to set before them. If you buy a Hebrew slave, he shall serve for six years. But on the seventh, he shall go out as a free man without payment. That's a great illustration right there. A slave doesn't have the money to buy himself out of slavery. It's free. Great illustration of what Christ did. Kind of like the seventh year we were set free, right? You know, in that sense, spiritually. If he comes alone, he shall go out alone. If he is the husband of a wife, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master gives him a wife, and she bears him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall belong to her master. And he shall go out alone. Wow, going to have to leave the family. But if the slave plainly says, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go out as a free man. Then his master shall bring him to God, Then he shall bring him to the door or the doorpost, and his master shall pierce his ear with an awl, and he shall serve him permanently. There's the pierced ear right there. The pierced pierced earring. (laughs) A pierced heart. That's really what it is, isn't it? That's what we have here with this man. A slave who doesn't want to leave his master, and of course, this is a wife that he has met as as the master gave him that wife and the children. He says, "I don't want to go out free out there if I have to leave them. I love my master. I love my family. I would rather stay here." So then, this this master then pierces his ear. 
And now the slave will permanently serve him because he wants to. He desires to be that way. That's a great way to live. I love it here. I love my family. I love my master. And so there we have a man who is really set free, even though he is not free in the sense that he went out into the rest out into the world. He would have been in a bondage out there. Imagine leaving your family and everybody that you really love. Isn't that great? Isn't that a great illustration? That we, but this this was the teaching of God's law of how it was going to be if they ran into that. Um, he loved his master. It wasn't a fearful thing, but it was because there was love there. There was the energy. There was the capacity. And that's the way it is with the indwelling Christ in us. Now we're set free. The only bondage that we have is that we're slaves of Christ. And I can't imagine any better position than that because I love my Master. Right? Do you know what freedom is? Like I said earlier, it's the ability. And catch that word. It's the ability to do what you want. That's why you did not have free will to choose God from the very outset because you were inclined. The, the reformers who brought in the, the, the biblical teaching again back in the, the 1500s, and even before that there were men, but the reformers, they stressed the fact, and I think Jonathan Edwards did it very well when he wrote the book, Freedom of the Will. Yeah, we have freedom to, to, to... I can go over there and sit there if I want. I have a freedom here to turn this page. All my actions, I have that freedom. But we're talking about the, the nature of man is not going to do good things. Things that honor God, glorify God. He's going to have a motive in doing good things. If he does good things, it's not for God's glory, but it's for the better of mankind, it's for that attention will be given him, whatever it is. But those motives are never right, even though some good things can be done. Because he says no man is good. We are not inclined to follow the things of God until we are opened up in our heart. We are regenerated, as it says in John 3. Um, The thing is, is then, when we become Christians, we now have a free will and that now we can choose the things of God. Do you get that? That truly is free will and that we've been set free in Christ. We want to do the things that honor Him. Romans 7 says we have a battle though, right? (laughs) Battle against the flesh. And of course, Galatians 5 is going to be bringing that up. We're going to be dealing with that probably starting next week. Either walking by the Spirit or walking by the flesh. Before we just walked in the flesh, that's all we could do. There was, there was nothing there in us that wanted to serve Him right. until He turned on the light. And we are now free. We're free to, we, we are free to decide what we want to do. Am I going to serve Him here or am I going to do my own little sin? Well, in your flesh, yeah, you can go ahead and choose to sin as a Christian. We still do. Some of them can be more noticeable than others. Others, nobody would ever know. But the thing is, it might be just a thought. But that sin, we still battle. But um, the thing here is that we now have the ability to do what we want, which is the desires of our heart are now put in us. Don't you like that thought? 
I can do whatever I want. And it's because I want to honor God. So whatever we have the... And of course, you can say, well, what I want to do is I want to be President of the United States. There are still a lot of things that no matter what you'd like to do, physically, mentally, and other aspects, you may not be able to do, okay? And and there's where you have to uh, counteract free will again because... Uh, people think that oh we're not an uh, uninhabited. I mean there are there are things that um, we can um, we can we can do anything we want even even if you don't have legs you can get up and start running and 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 win the uh, marathon or something. Of course now there are there are uh, technologies today where you see people that don't have legs but they have uh, I, I don't know what they call those the, the metal things and guys run in races <laughs> and they're faster than I am but. Um, there's just a lot of things that we can't do in that way, but in another sense that the Lord calls you to do and what He's put into your heart, you are free to do that by the power He has put in you. Look in Galatians 4.31. Let's see how Paul has uh, emphasized this as he used the illustration of the two women. You had the bondwoman and the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of a bondwoman, but of the free woman. Woman, we're not of the flesh anymore. See, we are of Christ. We are the free. Uh, chapter five, verse one. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. That's the next verse right after that. And then in Romans eight one, which we were going to sing today, but we will probably get that next week or whenever. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. That's where you're at. Ephesians 2.1 says we were dead spiritually, but now we've been set free from that. Um, Romans 6.14 and 15. Oh, Romans. You like Romans? For sin shall not be master over you. It was. For you are not under law, but under grace. Sounds like Paul. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under law, but under grace? This sounds like the balance that Paul has. That's what people are going to ask, aren't they? Okay, well then we can just go out and sin like however we want to do. He's already introduced that in this earlier in this chapter. May it never be. You guys know the Greek on this? Meginata. No way. I'm not saying that. We're slaves of Christ. Slaves of obedience. Chapter 7, verse 4. Therefore, my brethren, you also were made to die to the law through the body of Christ, so that you might be joined to another, to Him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. Now look at this. For while we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law. You know, if somebody built a house and had that whole house built in glass, all glass panes, all around, nothing else, and he had put a sign out there and say, do not throw stones into the glass. You know what your natural inclination would be? 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's the way kids are. Don't you do that. <laughs> that's the first thing they want to do, you know. And it says it right here. Aroused by the law. We're at work in the members of our body to bear fruit for death. <laughs> that's what we just love to do, you know. What's the law there for? What's there to break? <laughs> you know, you see a speed limit that's ridiculous. It's 20 miles an hour, which it ought to be 30. <laughs> no cops here. There you are doing 35. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Chapter 10, verse 4 of Romans. That's brief, Mo. Eh? That's, that's, that was the inclination. That was our nature. For Christ. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Everyone has faith. Christ is the end of the law. He fulfills the law. By the way, we're never ever saying that uh, there's no law anymore, that it's dead and there's nothing to it. We've already stressed that, haven't we? I want to make sure and clear of that. And of course, I think that's what Paul's doing here in Galatians today, to show you as Christians what what it uh, really is is for ultimately. Uh, being in, written into our hearts. Well, anyway, that's the divine call. What do you think about that? You've been called into that. You've been called into liberty. Christ did that. Now, verse 13 and 14 of our Galatians. we got to go into Romans today, folks. <laughs> nice place to be, isn't it? But Galatians is not too bad of a place to be either because I think it has some instructions here that can be very helpful to us. In 13, next phrase is only. Do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. And there he goes. Now he gives us the other side. After all of these chapters, he's, he's taking grace to its max. That's a long way away. I'm sure a lot of people say, yeah, but Paul, you know, we can't do this and can't do that. We should be doing... You know. He says, okay, okay. Don't turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. Here's a divine command here. We've seen the divine call. Here's the divine command. And the divine command is negative and it's also positive. Don't, don't turn your freedom into opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So in that phrase, well, you get a lot there in 13. You get freedom. Then don't turn into opportunity for flesh, but through love serve one another. So here we go. The command. It's not a license sin. It's not antinomianism. So you get to learn a big word. And uh, that word was actually stressed in the Reformation. Um, antinomianism are people who take uh, it to not only the extreme, but beyond the extreme. Antinomianism. Uh, libertinism. Licentiousness. We have the freedom, but there are limits on the freedom. That's what Paul is getting to here. He addressed the Judaizers, and we know that's dangerous, but Paul knows the fall of man. And he knows that uh, it can even affect Christians, can't it? The fall of man is still ever-present every day. Freedom is a potential for good, and it's a potential for bad. Don't use freedom as a cover-up for evil. Well, I have the freedom. I can do anything I want. 
I'm a free as a Christian. First Peter chapter two, verse sixteen. Yeah, you had the freedom. Peter says, Act as free men, and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves of God. I think Peter said that very well, didn't he? He says, Yeah, okay, you have freedom. You are free in Christ. And act as free men, but don't use it for covering up some sin. I can do that. Or covering up things that are kind of in between, you know? And of course, we. We can talk about Romans 14 if we wanted to. That's a whole message or a series in itself. It's the freedom of the Christian. But when it starts stumbling up others, maybe we just need to back off and look and see and say, okay, listen, I don't want to make somebody stumble. You're probably perfectly free to do that, but that is causing a stumbling block for another brother. So if we really love them, we have to be very careful in those actions and not just uh, use it in a sense. We don't want to flaunt our freedom, do we? Of course, Paul has a whole chapter on that in Romans 14. And it is very good for um, all Christians. Now, the word for opportunity, as we look at Galatians here, do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. A forme. Um the word is like a base, a military base. It's a military term. The base of operations. You think a military, they have a base of operations where they're operating from, right? Christian liberty is not to be used as a base for the flesh, right? Yeah. The opportunity or the, uh, the occasion for the flesh to do that. See, the flesh is a sinful in- inclination of fallen man. This is not the physical part of man here, the opportunity for the flesh, you know, in that sense, but it's talking about that man's ego has a, an emptiness and he has the he wants to have the means, the power to fulfill and fill that emptiness. That is the problem. Uh, a natural man wants to fill what is actually empty, so he fills it up with other stuff rather than anything of God. And this doesn't work, so they try something else, and then something else, and on and on and on. That's dealing with that inward man. Uh, indulging in the flesh, right? It says, don't indulge in the flesh. If you're truly saved, you don't want to indulge in the flesh to, to that degree, right? Why? There's a restrainer here inside of us. Holy Spirit just comes in and ruins whatever fun, quote, we could have because He comes in and starts convicting us. Anybody ever had Him do that? Well, if you're Christian, of course you have. <laughs> Probably much. He <laughs> say, boy, I can't get away with anything. He probably said that as a kid. You remember your mom always had eyes in the back of her head? Did see things. How did she see that? There's a there's a restrainer inside of us that the Holy Spirit knows every He knows every thought that we're doing. Oh my! So that that really is that's convicting there. 
Because there's so many times that we just have, not that we even act on them, but just a thought that comes up. And if we start dwelling on it, that's where it starts becoming sin. Can you help whenever a certain thought, or you see something, and you didn't want to see it, but there it is, boom, right there in front of your eyes, you know, and or you hear something, and and that's not necessarily sin, James says. But when you now you start to dwell on that, ponder on it, to think on it, and and now it starts becoming enticing. Now now you you have sin in the heart, and then you say, well, if I sin in the heart, then I can go ahead and 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 do it physically. Then I might as well, because I already sinned. No, no. Stop with the thought. Don't try to fulfill it on out, because you say, well, I've already sinned. No, there is. There are definitely um, different consequences that come with that. But don't give in to the flesh. Don't indulge the flesh. Don't abuse the liberty that uh, that is ours in, in Christ to gratify the, the lust of the flesh. Christ's men and women should not ever give in to the evil lust. Look in Romans thirteen four. Hey, we get to go to Romans again. Is that okay? <laughs> Romans thirteen. And I said four, but it's verse 14. In chapter 13, it talks about the government. And verse 14, he ends that chapter like this. Uh, verse 13. Let us behave properly, as in the day. We're, we're in the daylight. Okay? Not in carousing and drunkenness. Not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality. We, we know those, right? Not in strife and jealousy. It's, it's sin. But here's what he says to do. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lust. He's saying, don't even allow that to come upon you. Get away from it. Run like Joseph ran whenever he was, he was going to be made to, to tempt, be tempted with sin. You see that verse 13? See, people have to fill this emptiness up so they go out and they behave improperly. They carouse, uh, drunkenness, sexual promiscuity, sensuality. They're in their strife, their jealousy. You just go on and on with the sins. Paul doesn't take the time to give a list of sins because he could, you know, he could fill up the, all of these pages and not have any paper left. <laughs> but he gives us the idea, any kind of that, that stuff. And he says... Okay, you want to fill it up with that? He says, no. Here's what you do. You, whatever is empty has to be filled up. We're, either, we're going to put one or the other in, aren't we? It's, it, it's just like a, a hole that's there, and whenever you, you see water streaming down, you know that water is going to come in there and fill it up, unless you do something about it, right? Uh, it can be good, it could be bad, but uh, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, let Him dwell in you comfortably. Put him on. Um, Ephesians chapter 6. Put on the armor, right? The armor that fights the devil. Put on your armor. Put on, and the armor is Jesus Christ. That's really what we have here. Make no provision for the flesh. Don't, don't even allow something to tempt you. Be very careful, he's saying. So, that was quite a contrast there, isn't there? You either make provision for the flesh or you put on Jesus Christ. One or the other. One's going to fill you. Be filled with the Spirit or be filled with the flesh. The Spirit hates the flesh. The flesh hates the Spirit. That's where we're heading. Not today, but we're heading into that to next week. Our aim is not to please ourselves. 
Do you get that? Our whole goal here as we glorify God and enjoy Him forever, to do that while we're here and also in eternity is not to please ourselves, but to please God and to please others. By the way, I always like that uh, J. Joy, right? O. Others. Of course, J is joy or Jesus. Others. And then the Y? Then you. It's always there. It's, it's saying, oh, and then we should be gloom all the time. Serve others and not have a good time. About no, he says rejoice always. As you're serving others, guess what? That is the best blessing that you can possibly have. It will be a fulfillment. You can go out and have all the fun that you want. Just do things for yourself. You can study God's Word, read all the books, hear all the messages and everything. But if it stops there and we don't go share it, then it's going to be lacking. There's still something there. And I always have this drive. And and you guys ever been there? It seems like... I just don't feel like I'm doing enough. I want to do more. You know, there's got to be more people that I'd like to touch. You're, I don't pray enough. I don't read enough. I don't study enough. I don't serve enough. You ever been there? You ever think that way? I sure do. I do all the time. And sometimes you can take that to the extreme and that can be wrong. Because you're unsatisfied and, and with what God has given you, but there's also the other extreme too, where we don't do anything, and uh, there's that balance again. We do want to please the Lord, but um, that's it's just one of those kind of things. When when we're serving others, it's the best joy that you can have, uh, as as God fulfills you with that. So uh, I think there is a lot in this command here when He says, "But through love, serve one another." Our freedom is to know victory over the flesh. Our freedom is that we can actually serve others and enjoy it. So to use this liberty as an excuse to indulge the old nature is absolutely wrong. That's, Of course, we're into the negative command here. Um, that flesh is always having a desire to fill the emptiness which only Christ can fulfill. Don't surrender your freedom you have in the all-satisfying Christ to return to unsatisfying desires. To go back to those things. Of course, they were going back to legalism. Works of the flesh, they're motivated by a desire to fill the emptiness, but love is very different. It's motivated by the joy of sharing out fulfillment. Now let's go to the positive command but through love serve one another. Love your neighbor as yourself. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. In the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Of course, the context of that, love God, love your neighbor. Love is expressed. Love is expressed by using your freedom, not for yourself, but for others. To serve others. And you know, we all have mutual responsibilities to each other. Everyone here has a responsibility to the other. 
That's how the body works. Body life. Anybody ever heard of that? Body life. That's what, that's what we do. That's what we're about. This is the body. We're learning how to love. Folks, it's not natural to love people. Oh, you say, oh, people have always loved each other and they love their wives and love their husbands. Yeah, but that's a different kind of love. And it's really kind of one-sided. It's really basically for yourself. And then when we... But marriage is set up so that we can learn to lose myself. No matter what they even say, what they do, sometimes they do the most hateful things, say the hateful things, and God says, love them. Yeah, but you don't know. Yeah, love them. Yeah, but love them. Yeah, I just love them. You know, our flesh wants to rear its ugly head. I can't take this anymore. Why do you have Christians divorcing each other? Why are they doing it? Why is it it's at its highest peak it's ever been? Uh, I've, I've had friends who have been very strong Christians. Still are. They're, they're, they're Christians. I don't think they're really strong right now. But they're, they're going through um, splits. And it, it just breaks my heart. I'm, I'm talking about multiple people. And as Christians, that's sad. Because the thing is, love is not being practiced. You say, yeah, but they don't love me. Okay. You love them. You love them back no matter what they do to you or say to you. Yeah, but you don't know my circumstance. And, I, and, and I've been abused. Abused by their mouth. Yeah. That's the nature of man. Man really says some really bad things to other people. Oh, God, forgive us for saying bad things and hateful things to people. Forgive us, Lord. Do we still do it? Yeah. When somebody says something to you, there's probably some reasons why they're saying it. They shouldn't be doing it. But there's probably something behind that that maybe you've never thought about. Maybe they're going through some really tough things and they just need some true love of Christ from you and understand. And I'm sure many of you have gone through that when people have said some very hateful things and you let it go on past because you're seeing that and you know what's really bothering them. And you may not know what's bothering them, but you still love them. And so you see through that. You don't try to get back at them. That's the nature of man. He wants to get back, doesn't he? We have the freedom to say, I'm not going to take this personally because I'm going to just let it go to the Lord because He knows. He calls me to do this. You can say, well, you know, I just I can't do that. Well, okay, now you're in sin. <laughs> you're letting the flesh take over. I can't do that. Well, what does Jesus say? Love your enemies. Boy, Christianity is hard. It's a sermon on the mount. Love your enemies. You've got to be kidding me. We are to love the Muslims. They are our enemies, folks. Because they make the statement. And we are called infidels. And if we don't line up the way that they want, 
They can make you dead. <laughs> make you disappear. They've done that for hundreds and hundreds of years. What other kind of enemies do we have? We have a lot of enemies as far as this nation is concerned. But yet, and that's not to just roll over and die. You know, there is wisdom in all this. But at the same time, there's an there's a inner core there that we really need to be saying, that person, that Muslim, needs Christ. Maybe I have an opportunity here to give them what truth is. And it might take time. It might take an effort. That is loving your enemy. Because if you know you leave them in their situation like that, you can you could be like um, Jonah. Remember Jonah? He didn't want to see a nation saved from the wrath of God. He went the other way. Because he knew what God would do. <laughs> he knew that. But he didn't want that. I don't blame him in my flesh. But in another sense, God said, you're going to do it anyway. And He did. And so, you can buck up against God all you want. When I say you, I'm also including me, okay? (laughs) We. This is what we battle with. This is real. You know, He will make us eventually do what He wants us to do. But in the meantime, we can go up there and we can be... We can be not rejoicing in anything that we're doing all at the same time. God's going to do His will. I, for one, would like to go ahead and just continue to rejoice. doesn't always happen. But through love, serve one another to be free from yourself. Now, is that liberty? To be free from yourself. What is liberty? To be free from yourself. A natural man can't do that. It's only the spiritual man who can be. And I think the best illustration in the world of this is Jesus. He came not to serve Himself, but to serve His Father. My will is to do the Father's will. My meat is to do the Father's will. Wow. And He did it, didn't He? To the point of death. So we're coming to death to self again. Your freedom in Christ isn't to do whatever you want in that sense. As we've been saying, it is. But but it's the freedom to do what we want that won't hurt your brother, but will help your brother. So I like the word serve here. It's duleo. You know, do loss, right? Do loss, servant, slave. It's slave. This service is a command, but yet it's voluntary. <laughs> Serve one another, voluntary. The grace of God is how we're able to do it. And the love of God revealed to us the sacrifice of our Savior. The grace of God is how we experience this. The love of God revealed to us in the sacrifice of His own dear Son. Everything always goes back to the cross, doesn't it? Always goes there. So that's how we serve one another. Oh God, that person is not like me and I don't understand them. They don't understand me. He says, yeah, but you have an eternity to figure that out. 
you might as well start now. (laughs) Why does He put us into certain places in life? Do you really believe in a sovereign God? Where are you at, at right now? How did you get there? You believe in a sovereign God? This is how supernatural He is. He uses all those circumstances. Your job that you have. I don't like my job. Well, too bad. God gave that to you. (laughs) That's humbling. Why? He knows the reason why. I think you do too. But I have another desire for another job. Well, maybe He put that into you. Hope so. Oh, the desires of my heart. Here's what I'd like to do. Well, He might move you there ten years from now when you learn to get past this element where you're at now. (laughs) Reality, isn't it? Practicality. But you say, I like where I'm at. Well, good. You're content. That's where we're really supposed to be. Content with wherever you're at, however He's done it. Wow. Die to self. Make yourself a slave. Those are paradoxes. I'm free, but I'm a slave. Dennis, what are you saying? I'm free. I'm a slave. I'm in bondage to Christ. I'm I'm set free. What? What? You know, what do I do with this? It's a paradox. He says you're free to be a slave to others by acts of kindness by love, practicing grace. Grace Community Church. We've been graced by Christ. If whatever He's done for us, guess what He expects us to do? Practice grace? Huh, I can't do that. They don't deserve it. There's no way I'm going to do it. <laughs> oh, look at the cross. I don't deserve it. Yeah, yeah, but you you don't know what they've done... Okay. Okay, I get it, Lord. Heap love upon them. Visit the fatherless, the afflicted. Give a cup of cold water. Bear one another's burdens. Chapter 6 is going to be dealing with that. Wow. This is Christianity. Put to the test. This is Christianity living it out. Mm. Make uh, let let every child of God make it his goal in his life to help his brothers and sisters. We're in Christ. We're in a pilgrimage in this world, and He is telling us to do things that we would rather not do. Well, that's your flesh. Your spiritual man says. Yeah, I know I'm supposed to do that. There's the battle. Do you get the battle? I would rather not do that. But I know what the Lord says. Have you ever had that battle? If you don't know what the Lord says, then you haven't been in the Word. (laughs) We can't win! (laughs) Not against Him. But we are victors, right? In Christ. Every child of God should make it a goal in his life to help his brothers and sisters. We're in this pilgrimage. Look at Ephesians 5.2. We're 
We're about done here. Five two. Verse one. Therefore, be imitators of God. What? This is the Christian life. Imitate God. Be like Christ. Be imitators of God. As beloved children. We're beloved of Him. We can. He's our Father. He's our Jesus is our brother. And he says this. Okay, while you're here, here's what I want you to do. Walk in love. And this is convicting. Just as Christ also loved you. Oh, a reminder. And He gave Himself up for us. For us. I think that's propitiation as He pleased God. And then this is substitutionary atonement for us. He was an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. Anytime you serve somebody else and walk in love, did you know it's a fragrant aroma going up from the temple? Because you are the temple of God. And there goes that fragrant aroma and God goes, oh, He's pleased with that. He loves that. And it gives Him great glory when you're out there serving. God is very pleased. Did you know God is a God of pleasure? Oh, I don't want to think of Him that way. Sorry. (laughs) I'm not going to apologize. No. He's all about that. Piper had a fantastic book on the pleasures of God. And he is pleased with his son. Pleased, absolutely takes pleasure in what the Son is about and what He did. And did you know that He takes pleasure in the children He has chosen and adopted into His family? He takes pleasure in each one of you. And that love that He has never decreases an ounce. It always is at, it doesn't grow because it is at its limit. It can't, I mean, it's, What's the word for that? Perfect love. Wow. What is this love? It's a deep affection. It's devotion. Self-sacrificing. Self-sacrificing. It's genuine care. It's readiness to help at any moment. Spontaneous forgiving. William Hendrickson, uh, Hendrickson says this, when Paul warns the Galatians not to turn freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, which we just read, but through love to be serving one another, he is placing service over against selfishness. And that is our problem. Selfishness. Pride. We battle against. Vice can only be conquered by virtue, which is the spiritual gift that's been given to us. It's man's responsibility, Hendrickson says to do that because He pours out His love over us. It's abounding over us. Romans 5.5 Abounding. It's that love that He pours out in us. God is our portion. We are truly free. If we're truly free, then we will serve one another through love. Freedom just flows forth. That's freedom. That's freedom. Just bubbling. It's a bubbling spring just flowing over because it came from God. Nothing that we worked up. 
So the book of Galatians is written to show us how to become a mountain spring that serves the valley with the water of love. One more. The incentive. Galatians, we finish up with this. You ready? Everybody knows this. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. In the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. By the way, that's not a command to love yourself. And in modern psychology today, they say you need to learn to love yourself. Folks, that is a lie. That's totally backwards. That's the problem. People love themselves too much. We already love ourselves. As you love yourself, you already do that. You take care of yourself like you wouldn't anybody else. And people say, well, they hate themselves. That's why they committed suicide. No, they love themselves too much. They were concentrating on themselves and not others. See the problem? They were focused in on themselves. That's the problem. Uh, the positive, it's the royal law. Paul, by divine inspiration, takes the whole mosaic system, which is a good thing. He takes it to one commandment. Love your neighbor. He already assumes that they love God. Love your neighbor. Romans thirteen eight through 10 don't have time. Talking about the royal law there. The royal law. Deuteronomy 6, 5. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul. I think we sing that song, don't we? 1 Thessalonians 3, 11 and 12. 1 Corinthians 13, 5. Matter of fact, we've got uh, right on the, the back back there on the wall about love. 1 Corinthians 13. And uh, that's impossible for man to do. Cannot do those things. That is a picture of Jesus Christ. You want to see a picture of Christ? What does Christ look like? He looked like that. Those words. That's And when we have Christ in us, we can now do it. We have been enabled to do those things. That is a series in itself at 1 Corinthians 13. It's a freedom to lovingly serve a brother, sister. I wouldn't do anything consciously to offend my brother or sister. Pastor Henry Mahan wrote this, What I consider what I can do, should do, and am required to do in word, thought, and deed toward others, it's all fulfilled in the word love. My love for the Lord will control my personal conduct, my behavior. My love for others will control my public conduct where others are concerned. As far as a man loves a right, so far he fulfills the law. There's a negative here. But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you're not consumed by one another. Here's a warning. Here's a warning. If you bite, the root cause of these evils is a carnal, fleshly spirit of self-righteousness. In this case, also the legalism that was happening. And it certainly does do that. Um, as far as the legalists are concerned, he vainly imagines that he's holier than other people and sets himself as judge over them. We can tend to do that, can't we? That's a legalism. If we truly have experienced the grace of God and know something of the evil in our hearts, we will esteem our brothers and sisters higher, better than ourselves. Ephesians or uh, Philippians, I think that is in chapter two, isn't it? To esteem others over ourselves. 
devour means to gulp down. But if you bite and devour, and, and these are what animals do here, bite and devour. Those are used for an animal, animals in, in, in the Greek. That's the thought, the flow there. To, to bite, devour. You'll have a whole church fighting itself. If you're critical, if you're unforgiving, if you detract from people, you have a biting, hard, unjust word, it will rend a church in pieces quicker than all the assaults of men and devils from outside. G.S. Bishop. John Calvin says this on this verse. How distressing, how mad it is that we, who are members of the same body, should be leagued together of our own accord for mutual destruction. That's what Paul is warning you. If you bite and devour one another, take heed. Take care that you are not consumed by one another. We can't gain acceptance from the law, just taking this into context, but once we've been accepted by the King of kings and the Lord of lords, we now can keep the law that's been written in our hearts. All those Ten Commandments, all of the... The, the law, not the ceremonial law, but the law now is written in our hearts. And we know as we renew our mind daily, we're reminded of certain things that we should be doing and not be doing. And it expresses love in our heart for the Lord. And then when we have His love abounding in us, then we want to serve others. He's the law maker. He's the law giver. He is the one who gives us now the ability to do the things that we should be doing. That is freedom, brothers and sisters. Freedom in Christ. And that's what Paul has been emphasizing. And starting next week, we'll be doing a series called Walking in the Spirit. This is the Christian life. It's rather difficult. This is the Christian life. We all want practical things. How can I... Myself, I'm not going to be worried about others. How can I myself be glorifying God better as He has put me in this church to serve? How can I do that? And we'll be looking at that. Let's pray.